Yo, 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 welcome back to another episode of Outside the Box. It is the podcast slash video podcast slash uh, SoundCloud podcast. Uh, maybe maybe we can consider ourselves SoundCloud rappers. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there in case either of you wanted to, wanted to add that to your resume. Uh, welcome back to the show, everyone. Thank you again for all of the support, guys. We really appreciate it. Your comments and everything have been absolutely amazing. Actually, a few of you guys tweeted and sent some DMs about things that we're going to actually implement into this show to make this show better and better for you guys because we appreciate you listening and we appreciate you watching. Anyway, I am Jock Slade. You can find me on the internet at Cousteau, but this show would not run without two of the coolest people that I know on the internet. Uh, they make this show happen. Again, I am just here as the pretty face. So, uh, Nick, <laughs> go ahead. Tell them who you are and what you do. Uh, Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all platforms. I um, spent a couple years working for Complex. I spent a couple years working for Finish Line. Been in the sneaker world for, I don't know, a decade or so plus. And, um, yeah, also run a site called Sneaker History. So, but most importantly, Tiffany Beers, let them know how they can find you. Tell them who you are, because we all know that you're the main reason we're all here talking today. <laughs> uh, Tiffany Beers, uh, you can find me on Instagram and uh, YouTube. Um, I spent 13 years at Nike innovating products. I spent two years at Rubbermaid innovating products. And yeah, I've kind of been in love with sport my whole entire life. I love, see, we're, it's, it's the layers. It's the layers. It's the layers. Every week we peel back a layer. So this week, so usually, you know, Tiffany introduces herself as I work at Nike and I, I worked at, we found out last week she worked at Rubbermaid. But this week there was a little more added on to that. I don't know if you guys caught that audience, but she innovates at Nike and she innovates at Rubbermaid. See, that is a little something more than just working at a company. I could be the guy that cleans the windows and I work at Nike and I work at Rubbermaid. <laughs> but when I innovate, when I, when I innovate, that says I do something else entirely. I'm not going to get into it. I'll leave it at that. I'll let the audience decide. But we get it. We totally understand. Uh, so welcome, guys. Thanks for uh, joining again on the podcast. So today uh, and really this week, the main bit of news in the sneaker world comes uh, from basketball and it's not from where I think any of us expected the news to come from so the folks over at Puma have dropped a bit of a bombshell this week um, it wasn't it wasn't exactly a secret but their entrance into the market is or I guess you'd say back into the market is strong they've announced that there is now a Puma basketball division or Puma basketball team and they have a few people joining in on that team some really big stars so i'm just going to start i'm just going to toss the question out to nick um what do you think about puma even stepping into the basketball arena at all i mean i think it's exciting i think that you know there's there's kind of a perception in the in that basketball shoes are uh, are dead um but I think that, you know, like the glass can be half empty or half full. And with the, you know, with Puma stepping into it with a fresh take on what basketball shoes could be, especially with, you know, they announcing that Jay-Z is going to be, you know, kind of running the show and um, their history with like Walt Frazier and the Clyde and like the suede's that are like, you know, obviously lifestyle shoes, but the most important shoes 
in their, you know, probably in their history as a company, at least here in the United States. I think that taking the players, you know, they've they've got, um, excuse me, they've got DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley, right? So the two of them could be, you know, they're both they're both looking to do things differently than what is kind of the norm. And I would say that the norm for basketball shoes for a college athlete is to, you know, of course, everybody wants a signature shoe, but you kind of got to prove yourself to a very high level to get that. You could take, you know, take a chance with a company like Puma or even like the Chinese brands that are, you know, quick to sign older athletes um, and potentially make like huge waves and very focused based on your own personality. So I think that those kind of things are are a huge opportunity to take a piece of that pie because, you know, I think Nike between Nike and Jordan, that's probably what 70 to 80%, maybe even a little bit more of basketball right now. So, right. um, but there's the crossover element bringing Jay-Z into the mix is really the, the, the power move in my opinion. And, and I think that this has been a long time coming for Puma. They've, you know, like I saw the first kind of new basketball samples four years ago now. So I think that the, the, those kind of things are, they, they've, been, they've been working on it a long time and they've got a lot of cool people, you know, even on the like marketing side and the brand side of things that I think a lot of people might know their work from other brands. So um, I'm excited to see well, what comes from it. So Tiffany, how, um, from a design perspective, is it any harder to do a basketball shoe than it is to do any other type of shoe? Um, absolutely. I actually think basketball shoes are one of the most difficult to do, excluding some exceptions. But like, if you just look at running and basketball, running is a linear sport, right? You run straight. Mm -hmm. There's not so much cutting. And cutting's like stepping side to side. So basketball there's cutting there's running there's jumping the size of the athletes i mean these guys are all six foot something some of them seven foot you know 200 plus pounds basketball is a very demanding sport and it's very hard to make a shoe that's really durable uh for basketball mm. like check out lebron's shoes they're they're really engineered really well so that they last for him and not to mention like the pro athletes they all use their shoes, but they get new ones on a f more frequent basis, right? Where most of the right. high school kids who are still six foot something and they're still big guys and in college, they're not getting as many shoes. So they need a pair of shoes to last a whole season. So I right. would say without a doubt, basketball is much more challenging than running or training and definitely lifestyle, right? Right, yeah. I mean, definitely I would see more, more than lifestyle, but I guess when you think of it that way of the 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 physical demands that fall on a basketball shoe versus the physical demands that fall on a lifestyle shoe or on a running shoe you can see that i guess just engineering wise you need to make a lot a lot more decisions or take other things into consideration that you don't need to really take into consideration when you're doing a different type of shoe so with puma like stepping in stepping into this space 
Um, it's not like they're they're brand new to the basketball market. So I guess that's something you know we just need to put out there for everyone that's listening. Um, although it seems like you've never heard of Puma in basketball uh, in basketball proper, you've heard of them in basketball in a lifestyle sort of sense. Um, this isn't something that's new to them. They did basketball for a very very long time. So stepping back into that arena. It seems it would be more of an update of their technology and update of the styling more than it would be just stepping into this as a brand new company trying to create a basketball shoe. Is that would that I mean, just yeah. you know, help me here if I'm make sure I'm correct here. No, you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, they they had, you know, obviously what we think of as lifestyle shoes primarily came from you know, sport at some point. So Puma's basketball dates back, you know, decades, but they also had, you know, like a pretty solid, you know, r- small, but solid roster of athletes in the nineties. And they had nineties basketball shoes that I think, you know, could potentially like, you know, become like retro products now, right. With the, the trends. Um, but I think that to Tiffany's point about the size of athletes in basketball, even like taking that a step further, the guys that Puma signed are both, big men for for the most part you know like this is something that's different than what this is something that i think is different than what most like basketball shoe manufacturers are doing because yeah you have guys like anthony davis with nike but you know he's he's not going to have his own signature shoe he's going to be kind of thrown in the middle of the pack of you know the guys that wear you know the the hyper dunk of whatever the hyper dunk of this year is and you know we throw his logo and colors on it but with Puma, their history being with Clyde Frazier, I think, gives them an interesting storytelling element of like the, the right, you know, like big big players. Um, and I also think that like there's there's a tie there with big personalities. Like, you know, that's that's the future of basketball shoes to me is like this kind of you know this the storytelling that goes into like the lebron and lebron shoes and the kd shoes to me is the best of the best right now and part of that is because they're actively creating content on their own platforms on their own companies their their own stories and it's very authentic because they're the ones doing it and i think you could look at um you know to compare you could look at somebody like steph curry and under armor steph is the absolutely the most popular player in the NBA right now. He consistently sells right. the most jerseys out of all NBA players, even over, you know, Durant and Klay Thompson and, you know, the Warriors. But his shoes, even though they're with Under Armour, they're good they're good shoes, but they're not able to get out of that like kind of formulaic storytelling element and his lifestyle off the court is not connected to sneakers in the same way that someone like LeBron could be or KD could be. You know, Steph is right. very much like, I'm going to go get the deal with Express Men and, and dress nicely and I've got this family life. It's not about basketball so much off the court, even though we all know he puts in, you know, probably as much or more time as anybody, any, you know, basketball player in the world. Um, right. So, and I think that's a really interesting thing where, you know, if, if Puma plays it right and these guys are able to build their own personalities, their own social, you know, they already have been, right? Like they've been, you know, semi-famous for, you know, probably five plus years for both of them. Um, And and with the reach of somebody like Jay-Z and the connections that that, him being in a creative, you know, creative director role, as they call it, 
um, being able to, to you know connect the dots means that who knows like you might have this effect of like well now you now you have somebody now now basketball shoes are on you know whatever rap album or in the conversation right. and you're having these events that are kind of that you know lifestyle that Jay-Z lives but these guys are, are all wearing Puma that could be huge and it could, it could definitely shift things I think though yeah. you gotta you gotta look at the basketball sales like you guys follow Matt Powell. He's a senior industry advisor for the NPD group. Mm-hmm. He's been talking about how basketball right. shoe sales have been down the last several years, right? That market's been kind of suffering. So I question, like, why is Puma trying to get into it? But at the same time, and the opposite sides, like, maybe this is enough to shake it up to bring basketball shoes back into being cool and popular. Um, but, like, right. it, to me, it seems like it's a weird timing to get into basketball, to be honest. Yeah, I, I was thinking, we think about this, and, you know, we talked about this with basketball being down right now. Um, you, I guess you could look at it as a couple of different ways. One, like, okay, with basketball down, now's the time to get in. So when things do pick back up again, we'll be right there when things pick back up. Or do they have the uh, the staying power to you know withstand the cycle that's getting ready to happen like obviously we're in a in a low cycle for basketball shoes can puma stick around until things pick back up again and kind of get that name recognition and get that that sort of social cachet that they're going to need once things start picking up again so it's in a it's an interesting place um for them for them to be in um and I, I, ho- I really I hope for them the best. I really I'm always for adding more competition to the game and opening things up. So if, if this is their opportunity to to really like mix up the basketball market, um, I, I'm all for it. You know, congrats to them. And, you know, I wish them nothing but success. I think it's a great moment um, to kind of see and let Puma Puma prove their worth. They've been doing really great, I think, on the women's side of sneakers. And yeah. they're trying to get get more love going on in the men's side. So this is, uh, you know, an obvious foray into that. Uh, it seems like for men's sneakers to really work, you kind of have to have some sort of presence in that basketball world. And maybe this is part of their strategy to help build up that men's side. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good, too, like, that's a really good point because they, it does seem like the other brands are sleeping a little bit in the basketball arena, you know, and Puma's definitely doing well in the women's arena. Uh, so I'm excited for it. I think it'll be a cool shakeup. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to say. I think that it's I think that it's interesting because there there seems to be a lot of like passiveness towards basketball from a lot of the brands that have a, have a, a foot there, um, but they're also only you know it seems like this big deal because they made it a publicity and then social media blows it up. But it's like you know like you really have what two guys like that's that's like. A very very minimal entry point into what like Shaq is saying like maybe a potentially long-term thing if basketball comes back around because I think Nike probably has you know a couple hundred players in the league wearing their shoes so yeah um, it, I, and I agree it's 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 just good to see you know the the effort to to kind of take a piece of the pie and like be active in it because I, th- I do think that it it creates opportunities for for you know all the way up and down. If they're putting money towards it, then that means that they're going to be hiring people to you know on all aspects of the business on the design side, and hopefully like that forces the other brands to kind of 
you know, step their game up and put a little more effort and, you know, all, all, all the trickle down of that, I think, of the competition makes it better in the long run. Yeah, and not to mention, yeah. back to the, the women's side, like they already have Rihanna, and with Jay-Z, you know who comes with Jay-Z, right? I mean, mm-hmm. she's not officially associated, <laughs> but she's associated. Um, yep, right. That's huge. That is that is really huge. Wow. And uh, speaking of competition, uh, I have a note here from Dylan of the Race Lacers Competitive Shoelacing Racing League. Uh, They are the official sponsor for the Outside the Box podcast. Uh, He wanted to let me know that the Race Lacers Competitive Shoelacing Racing League has been upgraded and they are now the Race Lacers Competitive Shoelacing Racing League of America. So they're expanding beyond north hollywood so it's a lot bigger thing now it looks like there's going to be competitions in all 50 states so if you are interested or if you have the skill to be a competitive shoe lacing racing league member make sure you contact dylan and that's dylan at race lacers competitive shoe lacing racing league of america.com again dylan at race lacers competitive shoe lacing racing league of america.com now (laughs) Getting back to the show here, uh, Puma, something very interesting with Puma that I wonder, um, do you think Puma will be using their energy cushioning in their basketball shoes? Um, I think I'm, I don't know if you guys know about this, but Puma and Adidas had a bit of a rivalry going over ETPU cushioning. Um, and Tiffany, I'm going to go ahead and lean on you for this one. Can you explain explain what the difference is between TPU and ETPU? Yeah, so chemically it's slightly different, but ETPU is basically beads. Think of the styrofoam beads, right? Same thing that Boost is made out of. Um, those come in beads. <laughs> is that the sponsor? <laughs> yeah. uh, new- Shout out to the street sweeper. <laughs> Yeah, sponsored. This show is also sponsored by Street Sweepers of Los Angeles. We keep we keep we keep the streets clean uptown and downtown, and and in your neighborhood as well. Oh man! Yeah. So the ETPU, um, think of all those beads and how they hold it together is through steam, and so it's basically like um, if you microwave a whole bunch of marshmallows and then they all start sticking together. That's sort of how it works. So, yeah, Puma and Audi were against each other fighting over this material. Now, one was from, um, oh, I'm going to totally forget the names of these companies. One was Uh, from Huntsman. BASF. Yeah, one was from Huntsman and one was from BASF. Yeah, so two different chemical companies making similar but different materials. Um, I reviewed them both and, and felt them both, and they feel very, very similar. It's quite interesting. The aesthetic is slightly different, but mostly totally the same i absolutely think puma would use this in their basketball shoe however they're gonna have to stabilize it quite well and you can't go very thick with it i don't know if you guys noticed but with all of the boost shoes and even the energy shoes they're quite thick midsoles and that's because you need that much thickness so you're not bottoming out and you're actually feeling and getting cushioning performance so basketball shoes Hmm usually can't be that high i mean the only example i can think of is like lebron's with the airbags but those airbags have a lot of stability in them so it'll be super interesting maybe they've got a new technology i mean there's a lot of developments in foams um i'm sure people are trying to copy the react foam from nike so uh, maybe they got something over there so i have a question for you tiffany kind of related to that 
when when there's two companies like this obviously doing different things how because i know that like if i remember right the the adidas thing was actually rejected by the courts right like they they tried to stop puma i think because this is like from like maybe a year and a half two years ago right yeah right so how many companies or are there other options for these brands to go and say like go like have somebody create me this version or how do we take this and make it a better you know a better foam let's say and how does that affect like you know the direction of you know say designers for the basketball footwear for puma is it like we're we we've committed with this company for a certain amount of time and we need to use this specific technology or is there other options for them it depends on what you're going for right like like all innovation and footwear is basically around fit, cushioning, traction, and then otherwise it's mm. like material, how do you get ma- materials that are thinner, lighter weight, and stronger? So it's like every footwear brand that's in performance is talking to a chemical manufacturer or working in their team on cushioning. So it's not crazy uh. to think that they're all coming up with similar things. Like, can you make a midsole that feels softer but gives me more energy return like they're all working internally on that and they're all going out to the vendors saying can you do this can you do this now certain vendors have exclusivity agreements with certain brands on certain materials so if you call them up and they're like no we're we're locked in with adidas then you're going to go somewhere else and it doesn't mean that adidas or puma stole one from the other it's totally totally plausible that they ended up developing the same thing at the same time i think it happens way more often than you think um in my experience in innovation um at nike and rubbermaid there were many times where (laughs) multiple people had the same idea or a very similar idea and it's just a result of you're only innovating so many different things so um it's it's super tricky. I mean, you're going to see more foams that continue to talk about more bounce and more energy return, and because we they've seen that athletes make athletes are better with this, and consumers like it. So, um, right. you're constantly going to see evolutions in those zones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's stuff we haven't even haven't even really seen seen yet that you know they they have that they just need to refine and just make better it seems like the energy return and all that stuff is such a hot topic now it's almost like it's almost like it's trendy now and i i I imagine that 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 chemical world or that science world i don't even know what the proper name of that world is the chemical composition world chemistry (laughs) chemistry yeah chemistry material science (laughs) material science yeah yeah, God, make yourself look intelligent, Jacques. Uh, the material, the material science world that they all they all sort of follow trends in their own way as well. I mean, it's uh, I don't think they're 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 not excluded from you know peers and like oh this peer created a new eTPU that's two percent more responsive than another one and like I feel like someone would take that as like oh that's a that's a that's a good lane or that's a good category to work in is that am i being totally off base here um a little bit i i would not say it follows trends like look at the automotive industry like carbon fiber is used because it's lightweight and super strong the strength to weight ratio of it is incredible now there's Mm -hmm. now that they came up with that years ago right now it's like how do we improve on that and how do we improve on that and you get into materials with graphene and you get into all these now titaniums Mm -hmm. and stuff right it's the same thing in the cushioning with the materials like 
those vendors like Huntsman and BASF and Dow, they're all constantly trying to make materials more efficient, using less water, more sustainable, that provide the performance benefits that the consumers or the brands are asking for. So it's not a trend thing. It's more like, oh my gosh, we just invented this new thing here. And then it's like, we're going to keep inventing down this path and trying to improve it until we get to the next one, you know? So that's how you end up with like flubber and super flubber and so on and so forth. So it's much more physics related and much more ability related versus trend related. Like you, no brand wants to say like, oh, well, Adidas built Boost. I'm going to make a, a shoe that's 1% better. That's that's useless, <laughs> yeah. right? You're just copying right. and everyone's going to say you're copying. Um, where if you come up with something new or you can't forget about geometry and design, like that is a huge factor in getting materials to work and create different responses and different reactions. So it's not just that material. It's also the design of it, right? That's that's super important in mm-hmm. the shape of it and the thickness. Um, and right. like you said, there are I'm sure there are some amazing materials that we've never seen. And brands are super hesitant to show you it if it's not durable. If they don't know they can make it into a product that you can wear for a year or whatever, that you're, you're right. probably not going to see it. So there's probably amazing stuff that people would be blown away by, but the demand would get so high for it that they can't produce it. And then it's disappointment and nobody likes that. Right. That makes sense. That all, that all makes sense. That all makes sense. I get it now. So I guess my, uh, my invention, uh, I won't even mention it, but I'll keep it to myself now. Thanks. <laughs> oh, let's hear it. Let's, let's sell it. Let's no. put it out there. You got a cushioning? No, no, no. Is it cushioning? No, 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 no. I, it was really, it was really just, um, two goose down pillows, uh, duct taped together. Um, <laughs> and I, I thought that was going to be the future. Like, uh, like a but, shoe on a shoe kind of thing. Yeah, shoe on a shoe. And speaking of shoe on a shoe, since, since we're gonna go down that path, I didn't want I didn't want to talk about it because I thought it was crazy. But there is a shoe on a shoe. I know you guys are thinking like, what is a shoe on a shoe? Well, it's exactly as it sounds. There was a, was this a show? Wait, how, where was this a show? There was a New York Post article. Shout out to the New York Post. Um, and there was a a show where there were people. Someone made shoes for your shoes um and i'm not sure i'm ready for this uh style wise i'm pretty conservative i haven't gotten (laughs) to the point where my shoes wear shoes yet um but some people do do that so if you're concerned about your shoes getting dirty or maybe you're concerned about your shoes getting wet um you can wear shoes on shoes and this was at was this at paris fashion week Yep, in february yep in february so yeah so i mean here's the thing if you're a forward thinker if you don't adhere to the rules of society if you're looking to go bigger (laughs) bolder and uh not not let someone tell you how you can and can't wear your shoes then this might be the shoe for you i'll make sure we include a link to these down in the description um because you definitely have to see these they are shoes for your shoes there's a velcro strap involved uh so if you're into velcro uh that might be a thing for you um I, i'm trying to see the brand here where's the brand S- it doesn't say the the sankunzen s-a-n-k-u-a-n-z chinese fashion brand yes 
Chinese fashion brands. So up your game or just get taller. Either way, this works and it's an option for you. Hey, um, hey now, question yes. on that. Nick, if you use these, would you be able to tell if the shoes were still dead stock? Oh, that's actually interesting. Yeah, I mean, because it, it basically, like, so this shoe is basically like half Birkenstock, half like like ankle brace. Um, and uh, so like, it's equivalent of like breaking your leg, putting the brace on. And if you, if you were to have the doctor just leave your shoe on rather than taking it off to fix yourself, like this would actually be like the, you know, the version. So, I mean, technically the shoe would never touch the ground. So, I mean, it's not really bending either. So it's not going to (laughs) look worn, right? Yeah. It's going to look brand new. So yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the thing we're missing it. I mean, the picture that I'm seeing is actually a pair of, uh, air force one mids. Uh, so maybe that's the whole, I mean, air force one mids are always kind of the, the stepchild of, uh, of the air force one line, but yeah, I mean, Maybe that maybe that's it. Maybe we're just missing the point. We're now I can keep all my dead stock shoes by buying these shoes for my shoes. Yeah, and and people, you I know you guys think we're making this up. You think that this isn't true, but I promise you, this is absolutely one hundred percent true. Uh, and I I will include the links. I want you guys to see this, and then you guys let me know what you think about that down in the comments, or tweet us, or DM us, and let us know what you think about the Sankoons shoes for shoes. But uh, continuing with our, I feel like we've kind of got this trend going on the show where we do like uh, sustainability is kind of a topic that we talk about, and uh, one of the things we found is that there is a shoe made out of recycled chewing gum. Um, so, uh, I'm going to let Tiffany take this one just because I'm not even sure how something like that would even work. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't either. I guess if you, from a material standpoint, gum is kind of like rubber, right? Like a really soft rubber. And so Mm -hmm. this article talks about how they reprocessed used chewing gum and, and how much chewing gum there is all over the place, which is shocking. Um, people definitely right. don't throw it away. And they talk about how they reprocessed it to become the outsole. So literally, like when you say gum outsole, it's literally gum outsole, ah. right? So I think it's kind That's of interesting. True. I mean, I'm wondering about the process. Like, is everyone's saliva still in there? Or, or is that giving <laughs> oh. extra traction? Oh. <laughs> but um, oh. yeah, this is, this is a real deal. They have a, a company name listed there. Uh, talking about where they did this and how they did it. Yeah, so the the company is uh, called Gumshoe, and um, the the they make it's a, basically a shoe made from recycled gum through a collaboration between sustainable material maker Gumdrop I Amsterdam and a fashion company called Explicit. Uh, the company says for <laughs> oh this is just gross. Uh, the company says every two point two pounds of discarded gum translates into four wow. pairs of sneakers, which is incredible. So just the fact that there's uh, just two point two pounds of gum, discarded gum, just makes kind of makes me want to throw up a little bit. Um, but I imagine it's not just a completely gum out. So I imagine they're just mixing that gum into like another rubber compound, is what I'm guessing to make the to make the outsole. <laughs> well, I don't I. I 
I mean, one, so 2.2 pounds to make four pairs. So that's a half pound per pair. That would be really heavy outsoles, like really heavy. So that's a lot of gum unless they lose a lot of it in processing. I don't know. We should get a pair. We should. And I wonder if it smells like bubble gum or like what? That's my main thing. I want it to smell like bubble gum. I want it to smell like bubble gum. I mean, do you have to wear gloves to put it on so you don't like get mono from it though? Like, uh, oh, all right. I mean, all right. it's we're, probably we're sticky. Leaving this one. It's probably definitely sticky. It's. Yeah, I mean, you get you get the traction. Yeah. Goodness gracious. The, the funny thing, right. I'm going to show my age here real quick. But the funniest thing about this to me is when I saw the gumshoe uh, name, I immediately thought of. Uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego from my childhood? So, wow. where like the contestants on the show were called Gumshoes? Gumshoes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's very true. Yep. So, now, we prob- shoes, we're probably by losing subscribers by by saying how old we are right now. But you lost yeah. me. Or how but old just- I am? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but ju- just so you guys know, these shoes aren't cheap. They're actually two hundred and thirty-two dollars, and they'll be available. Actually, they're available this month in june so uh if you're up on game and you want to wear something i guess no one else is wearing you can get the gum shoes uh, again we'll put a link down in the description so you could upgrade your game uh before we get out of here uh i do want to say that we have a new sponsor on the show today which i'm very proud of i need to get one of those buttons where you can get like an applause and I'd be like <laughs> new sponsor new sponsor uh today's uh extra sponsor uh you know n- not knocking the race lacers but we do have another sponsor called socks for your socks uh they are a new sponsor and their tagline is guess go ahead put it in the description you're probably wrong but it's we prevent holes if you've ever been worried about getting holes in your socks we have socks to stop you from getting holes in your socks it's a new thing it's the new trend and we're all about it here on outside the box podcast we think outside the box and we also think outside our socks socks for socks the new sponsor we prevent holes as always guys i want to thank you for watching uh, and listening to the Outside the Box podcast. I am Jacques Slade, uh, a.k.a. Cousteau. You can find me all over the internet at K-U-S-T-O-O. Uh, we love your comments and your feedback, so make sure you leave that for us. But this show would not be what it is without the other two hosts. Uh, Nick, go ahead and tell them where to find you. Uh, Nick Engvall, N-I-C-K-E-N-G-V-A-L-L on all platforms and also at Sneaker History on all platforms. Tiffany, how about you? Uh, Tiffany Beers, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, B as in boy, E-E-R-S. And it's on Instagram and YouTube. And with that, we want to say goodbye. Again, big shout out to the Race Lacers and Socks for your socks. We appreciate your sponsorship and the money that you give us. Uh, As always, guys, we appreciate you. And uh, we'll see you guys and talk to you guys soon. Peace.